best advice I got was just, you know, sit and finish, you know, do the work, treat this like a job. Uh, the second you start treating it professionally or like a job, the more professional you will seem to others. And I think if you treat it like a hobby or something you just do on the side, that's how people are going to see it and how it's going to, the work is going to be. You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. Alex Segura is an award-winning novelist and comic book writer known for Secret Identity, Star Wars Poe Dameron Freefall, and the Pete Fernandez Mystery Series. He is also the writer of a number of Anthony award-winning crime novels such as Dangerous Ends, Blackout, and Miami Midnight. In addition to writing, Alex is also Senior VP of Sales and Marketing at Oni Press with previous employment with Archie and DC Comics. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. I am your host, John Robinson IV, and today with me, I have Alex Segura. What's going on? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, as, as I've been saying for like the past year uh, in 2020, it's been crazy. Uh, I'm kind of glad to be in 2021. I'm not sure how much how many things have changed so far. Uh, have you seen any changes with 2021 so far since... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it just feels like we're kind of getting inching slowly out of this this pandemic, which is great news. I mean, it's still we're still in the thick of it. But, you know, just seeing people get vaccinated, seeing people, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's just it's it's good. Whereas I think last year was just to many people a lost year and yeah. just uh, a lot of change and a lot of stress and frustration and, and tragedy. So. Um, I think people want 2021 to be much better than that. So fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. Lots of, lots of wild and crazy things going on, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I mean, we're here in 2021 and it's, as always, it's like, all right, let's, let's make the best of it. Let's try to, like me, I'm always trying to get something done. Like, let's get something done. <laughs> like, I don't know what'll get done, but something will get done, you know? Um, totally. <clears throat> So, uh, so yeah, uh, as, as, as you know, this is a writing podcast where we like to dive into the technical aspects of writing. Um, I love talking about all things nerdy and all things geeky, all things, uh, you know, whether it's fandom related or just straight up writing related. And this is kind of my avenue to do it uh, when it comes to uh, writing. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, geeky stuff comes up a lot. I don't, I don't know, like, how much how, how long that myself and brian talked about star wars when he was on but it, it just it <laughs> happens you know yeah um, yeah yeah and, and given that you given that you write star wars that may be something that comes up here too <laughs> yeah uh, definitely i'm ready absolutely okay so uh so usually i, I like to start off with uh, i usually like to ask how people either get in their headspace of writing or um or you know like 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 what kind of puts you in, into the writing mindset like on a typical all right it's time to it's time to get to work uh day that's a great question i mean i really try to minimize any kind of ceremony like any kind of mood or you know the boxes i need to check to get to actually sitting down and pressing the keys because mm-hmm. I think we were talking about uh before we started taping you know uh being the parent of two young children it's really hard to find those long stretches of time. Like when I was younger and, you know, living alone, it was not alone, but like not, you know, before I had a family, it was like, okay, I can kick back and 
mm-hmm. right for two or three hours or take the afternoon to write and you can kind of pontificate and ponder and um you know you could do a lot of ceremonial things like have your special beverage or you know have the sun mm-hmm. coming through the window in a certain way but those days are over and um, <laughs> it's really just pockets of time. So I think what I've trained myself to do is to be very uh, nimble and to be able to sprint and uh, you know, okay, the kid's down for a nap. I can write a little bit. Okay. The kids are sleeping. I can write for an hour or two. Um, uh, we're on a quick break between things. I can try to jam out like a couple paragraphs. So I think by, you know, kind of trimming that ramp up time, mm-hmm. I'm much better at maximizing the pockets of time. So I think, um, you know, it's really wherever, I see that there's a moment and then I can crack open my laptop and I always have the document open. I always have my working file ready to go. Um, so then it just becomes like, let's dive in and go. Right. Absolutely. And that, and honestly, that's so real. I, I, I really, the, the idea of getting where you can fit in <laughs> in yeah. terms of time, uh, that, that is, it, it, it's so big in our reality right now. Um, like I, I use Evernote for everything. So I, I, I'll, I'll write in Evernote. And um, the fact that it, it it's, I was actually just talking to a friend about this. Um, I, I'm sure you heard of Scrivener before. Yeah. The, the writing program. So I, I mm-hmm. love Scrivener. I love how well organized it is. And, you know, oh, cool. up, down, left, right. However, Scrivener does not easily, it, do, it has a way to do it, but it does not easily sync between all of your devices. Um, when it comes to the phone, your laptop, your desktop, and that's the main thing that holds me back from using Scrivener as a, pri- I still use it, but as a primary yeah. Uh, I use Evernote because it's like you said, whatever you can fit in. If if I'm going to get my oil, oil change and I, and I get up there and I see there's a line, I'm pulling out my phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no. Uh, yeah. I wish I was as tech savvy as that. I mean, I use word if I'm writing a novel, that's kind of where I peck at. And mm-hmm. um, Google docs, I use Google docs a lot for comic scripts just because it makes it very easy to share and get feedback. Absolutely. Um, especially, you know, I, I co-write a lot of comics. So, you know, I'll take a pass and then, you know, just shoot an email to the collaborator and say, it's up, it's up, like you're up. And uh, <laughs> exactly. then the editor can chime in and it's a lot of, it's a communal document. Mm-hmm. Um, I email myself a ton of times. Like if like, like you said, you're waiting for an oil change, you get an idea, you just shoot, I just shoot myself an email mm-hmm. or even start typing in the email and then I can just paste it into the document. But um, right, yeah, right. I'll have to check out Evernote, see if that's yeah. much more my speed. I mean, Google Docs is a good way to do it too. I mean, that I mean, you hit it right nail on the head. You, you can open a Google Doc on your phone, type into it, and then go to your computer, and it's right there. So yeah, uh, yeah, same same concept. I mean, I mean, honestly, again, it, it all it all wraps into, hey, we got we got to maximize our time. <laughs> it's true. It's just we don't have those. I don't have that runway anymore, and you know, I'm blessed to have a lot of opportunities to write different things, whether it's comics or novels or podcasts or what have you. And um, I'm always, I'm always juggling like three different things, not to mention day job and, and mm-hmm. kids and family time. So uh, time is valuable. And, and I'm, yeah, that's, that's what I'm grateful for that my time is valuable. So I have to kind of use it as much as I can. Exactly. Exactly. Earlier, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, when we we're talking about Google Docs. You mentioned uh, co-writing. So that's I mean that's honestly a, a pretty good, interesting question. I don't think we ever uh, spoke about that on the podcast, but uh, uh-huh. I'm kind of curious. <laughs> so uh, the co-writing process, as, as far as what you could release, you don't have to give any particular details about anything you're working on that you can't release, of course. Yeah. No, I'm but, happy. I mean, I, I find co-writing to be really fulfilling. I've I've co-written a bunch of different things. Uh, I've co-written comics like Archie meets Ramones I co-wrote with sorry there's an ambulance I co-wrote with um, 
Matt Rosenberg, uh, and we co-wrote the Archie's comic series. I've co-written a lot of uh, Black Ghost comics with Monica Gallagher and um, nice. the, the Dusk, which is coming up on Kickstarter. I'm co-writing with uh, crime novelist Liz Little. And what I like about it is it's, it's a way to just jam with another writer. And comics are fun because they're, they're kind of succinct, compact. You, you're, filling, you're putting a puzzle together, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only do so many words and so many actions per panel. You can only do so many panels per page. You can only do so many mm-hmm. pages per comic. So you're really kind of filling in slots and moving things around to see what works. And I find it's really interesting to do that with another person because... Um, like I'll use Monica as an example, like, uh, mm-hmm. she's great with dialogue and tone and just personality, just adding like flourishes of personality to characters. And I'm kind of the grinder in terms of plot and, mm-hmm. and building the mystery. And sometimes the roles flip, like sometimes I'll be more of the dialogue person and she'll come up with a plot twist and, um, it's a fun back and forth. And I find it really fulfilling in a way that, uh, I wish more people did. I think it's, um, I think yeah. it's it's awesome to have projects that you write, you know, soup to nuts. Like I write it, I write every, all my novels are just mine. You know, like mm-hmm. um, I've written novellas, I've co-written novellas and, and co-writing on prose is different because it's such a stylistic thing. Like you're putting your right. stamp on something. It's like, um, unless it's someone you're super comfortable with and you have no ego about having been <laughs> edited by or about editing. Um, I think that's much more intimate. Whereas with comics, you still need to have that comfort level. Like, you know, um, you, most of my collaborators are not not big on ego and neither am I you know if they have a change <laughs> yeah. that you know the best idea wins so if they have a note that improves the dialogue or improves the pacing or improves something I'll say yes yeah. and I know that it, it goes both ways like if if I make a change and there and it, it makes the thing better they'll they'll approve it so right. it's about having that kind of um experience and understanding um as opposed to just getting thrown into it. Like it's gotta be someone you trust basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's something I, I wondered about. I've never co-written anything. I'm trying to think back, not directly co-written anything. At least I've helped build maybe like, like details, the world, but like not mm-hmm. a particular, not a particular book or a particular comic. I don't think so. I was always, I was, I was always kind of wondering like, you know, uh, the, the expanse was just one of the best series out there in terms well, books and TV show now. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's that's two guys I believe. James S. Corey, or S. A. Corey, I believe is is the the cover name on the book. But that's two guys that are working on that. And, yeah, I didn't um, know that right away when I picked up the first book. I was like, this is. I mean, not that it minimizes how great it is. I was like, right, this is right. great. And then I, you know, I did my thing where whenever I like something, I do like a deep dive to kind of get yeah. <laughs> every little bit of information I can. And I discovered it was two two writers, and that's really cool because you don't see it as often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm happy. At some point, I will co-write a novel just because of, uh, you have so many ideas and you want to get them out in the world faster. So right. I'm, working on, I'm working on something in that space with a co-writer. Um, so hopefully we'll, that'll come to life soon. Yeah, the interesting about novel and co-writing novels is, is, you know, different forms of writing, like uh, comic books or movie scripts and stuff like that. There's less words. I mean, there's a lot of story in it, but there's still less words on, you right. know, per square inch on my page, you know? Um, exactly. But uh, so when, when like, you're recording a novel, I'm like, uh, part of me t- thinking of myself is when the, whoever make up James S.A. Corey, I can't remember their names right now, um, but whoever makes them up, I'm like, well, who's... Are they going back and forth, or who's pinning? Because the voice sounds very familiar the whole way through the books. So I'm like, I think you've got to you've got to have some kind of system. Like you do these chapters, I'll do these chapters. We'll right. swap and edit and kind of make sure that they all sound the same. Because 
and I think you always have, I've written, like I said, I wrote two novellas where my private eye, P. Fernandez, crossed over with mm-hmm. other private eyes. Um, the first one was called Bad Beat, and I co-wrote it with my friend Rob Hart, who has a PI series starring this guy, nice. Ash McKenna. Nice. Um, and we both came from journalism backgrounds, so we were okay kind of tweaking each other's work, and we had the same deadline-driven mentality. And I think you just have to, you have to be comfortable with each other, like I said, but also understand that you're you're subliminating your style a little bit for the greater mm-hmm. style of this project. Like, what is this project going to sound like? Can we both sound like it? Are we both in the same kind of point in our careers or headspace where we can jam together and it won't sound like, oh, this is a Rob chapter. This is an Alex chapter, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think, I mean, honestly, I hope one day to be in a situation like that where I can work with somebody on some kind of writing project where we're doing it uh, together. Um, I mean, the comics themselves are already so collaborative, um, uh, even like, working with artists and whatnot. Uh, while, while they're not directly writing the story, they definitely do have input here and there. And as far as as far as like certain aspects of the story and then their their art, you know, coming on top of it is definitely a huge collaborative process. It's like, oh, man, how did you guys oh, do sure. that? And I'm like, oh, that. Yeah, that was uh, the artist did all <laughs> we that. Didn't, like, we didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you have to let the artist you have to let the artists do their thing. I, you know, um, all the creator owned stuff I do, I try to do Marvel style, which is just shorthand for saying you give the artist a plot, uh, or a breakdown. We, we give, right. you know, I usually give them a very detailed page breakdown, you know, page one, you can do it like this, or you can do it like this, but th- these are the things that have to happen on this page. Right. And then you let them kind of dictate the angles and the action and how it's choreographed because they're the experts. I, I mean, I can, draw some stick figures but i can't do it to their level of quality um (laughs) i mean i've written i've written detailed scripts before but i find that it's always so much better when the artist is driving the bus right right Uh, i i actually was recently invited to another podcast called encyclopedia uh, excellent podcast just about all things like deep dives and knowledge about everything um mm-hmm. but because i'm a comic person my episode was about comics um and we actually discussed matt fractions hawkeye um and we, and we were we were thinking a little bit about the fact that uh, well I know, I know on the back end that Matt Fraction wrote quite like how you write scripts in terms of mm-hmm. uh, you know developing uh, uh, you know uh, here's the description of page one and two versus like you know panel by panel uh, full script full style script um, and I think that's how him and um, and and David Aja and Matt Hollingsworth were able to create this work of art. The way that it was because I, I think the, the artist has had the freedom like i mean there's some pages that are just incredible um you know in, in terms of the in terms of the layout the setup and whatnot i mean there's one page with 24 panels and it's just kate bishop and, and clint barton talking you know yeah um, yeah yeah and it's i don't think it's limiting in any way to the writing side of it i think yeah. you know i tend to send a lot of reference and like i'll i'll send images from movies and and uh you know other comics just for reference but I always do it with a disclaimer, like you can just, you can throw this in the shredder. You can just do whatever you want to do. As long as we're doing the 10, five to 10 things that are um, essential to this page, but how you do them is up to you. Here's right. some reference in case you want to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, honestly, that, I, I think that's the most freeing way to do it. I, you know, I, that's just, it's, you know, I, I guess it, 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 in the day it depends on the, you know, the style of the person that you're working with, but it's so, it, it just sounds like such a freeing experience, you know, um, creativity is opened up on both sides, I think with that. 
Um, yeah, it's just truly collaborative instead of, you know, it's a back and forth. You're kind of having a conversation with the artist instead of saying, this is how it has to be. Like, I mean, <laughs> exactly. I know I, the legendary like Alan Moore scripts are like hundreds of pages with tons of detail <laughs> broken up by panel and panel. And I think that's one way to do it. I and mean, he's obviously a, a great example of it being successful, but, but right. I have to find what works for you, I guess, is the best takeaway from the whole thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but okay. So in, in general, I, I, I love, I love talking about um, like, like on the, on this podcast, I love getting people uh, little tips and tidbits and what they think is important um, or important for writers, especially when you're early on and early on in your career. Uh, uh, what do you think is some of the best uh, writing advice uh, you've ever had or, or that you think you've given? Huh? The best writing advice, I think, that I ever got was finish something. And I think it came to me in college and it was, I think, especially early on in our writing careers, we get really, you know, you get hung up on every word and you're like, this sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> you know, you get, you get um, lured away by the next cool idea. And as you get more experience, you realize, okay, every time I'm working on something, the first time I hit a slog or a, a rough patch, I'm going to start, you know, finding this new idea that's going to romance me and pull me away. Um, <laughs> and the best, the best advice I got was just, you know, sit and finish, you know, do the work, treat this right. like a job. Uh, the second you start treating it professionally or like a job, the more professional you will mm -hmm. seem to others. And I think if you treat it like a hobby or something you just do on the side, that's how people are going to see it and how it's right. going to, the work is going to be. But once you finish, then you go back to, you know, the next phase of writing, which is almost as important as that first draft is revising and rewriting and fixing and tweaking. And, um, you know, it, it's just a big, it's a process and it's going to be a journey. And if you stop doing a project just because you get a cool idea, you're never going to finish anything. It's, it's always going to be the cycle because <laughs> the second it gets, the second we're creative people. So the second right. it gets hard, we start to daydream and think about other things. And then, <laughs> yes. you know, I always get my best ideas when I have to do revisions when, because they feel like homework. Oh, like yes. I've already written this book, you know, like, why do I need to rewrite it? Um, and that's when I start getting ideas for the next book or for another book or like a mm -hmm. random comic book idea. And it's really, that's when you have to kind of buckle down and just mm -hmm. finish it. And uh, nothing will ever top the rush of seeing your book in print and holding it in your hands for the first time. Like yep. not just your first, first book, any book, like it's still cool. Like right. I, you know, I got, I got the print galley or the print edition of the black ghost, the first trade. Yeah. Um, and it was, awesome it was still cool it was right. like this is my this is my create this is my baby like we all made this together but you know it's it's real now yeah uh and the same with like you know like getting a star wars novel with my name on it like that's next level like i was like is this real life <laughs> so yeah. you know just keep pushing and grinding because you'll get to that high and uh you know yeah finish something right yeah F yeah finishing i think it's so important um because because then because then you, you you finish i think you know what actually let me say something that i've learned very very early on was that um and i was writing a lot and you know i, I had the same issue of not finishing stuff like oh, okay I, I wrote a good bit of this i'm, I'm all right um <clears throat> the first time that i that i got to like the end close to the end of the story or i'll just say like the third or you know the you know the, the last uh quarter of the book um right. It, I realized, like, I mean, all writing is difficult, but I realized, man, this is really hard. Like, I know a lot of people writing for a while. I know a lot about, like, why, why is this part so tough to me? And then I go back, I realize it's because, wow, because most other things I've done, I've never made it to this, 
you know, <laughs> this last, this last 25% or whatever, I'm, you know, I was always, I was always like putting off to the side, like, oh, it's good enough. And let me go to the next, because, you know, I wasn't handing it in anybody for like a final product or anything. So I did do the hop around thing a lot um, around when I first started writing. Um, and, and, I, and I learned very quickly. It's like, wow, finishing a story is pretty tough. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to finish. And then, you know, the, then comes the next challenge, which is like, when are you really done? And you're never really done. There's always right. going to be an opportunity to reread it and tinker oh, yeah. some more and tweak it, you know, letting you have to do the work, push, push, push to the end and then find your, find out, find the right time to let go. And that's really hard. Um, right. so, so you I'm have just... to, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you're, no, you're, you're good. Uh, I was just going to mention, I mean, we're talking about, you know, finishing a book and talking about resolutions. Let's talk a little bit about that in terms of like actual story. Uh, I mean, if you're down for it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how many TV shows we've seen and, and forgive me uh, for mentioning some of these shows uh, or movies or what have you, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw them out there. Uh, things <laughs> like, and I'm not saying I don't like these shows, but like things like okay. Game of Thrones. Okay. I love Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ending was a little, eh, you know, uh, debatable. Of course, it's all opinion. Um, yeah. Lost, same thing. Excellent series. The end, and it's kind of like, uh, so how how do you think, like, you know, you have a great series or a great book, uh, whether it's a book series or a comic series or a TV series, whatever it is, you know, um, how, how do you think is the proper lay- way to really stick that landing? Do you ever have troubles, do you think, sticking a landing? Oh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, <laughs> um, it's hard. It's, you know, I can't, you know, and people say it about the greatest authors we know. Oh, they can't end the book. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times story is a journey. You enjoy the trip and mm-hmm. you forget the ending, really. Like a lot of nobody ever <laughs> talks about, you know, if you're talking about loss, you're rarely talking about the episode, the last episode in a positive way. And, mm-hmm. um, it's hard. I think the challenge is to, to follow the thread of your characters and give resolution, but don't, don't overdo it. Um, mm-hmm. when I was writing Miami midnight, which was the last in my PI series, my Pete Fernandez mystery series, mm-hmm. I knew that I was, I knew it was the last one. So it was challenging because I had to make the book interesting on its own. If someone came in and said, I, I just want to read this book, I'm not going to, read the other books um, or, or they have no knowledge of the other books, but I knew that the longtime fans that had been reading the whole series wanted resolution. So I had to weave mm-hmm. in things from all four books that came before um, right. you had to give every character their beat and you had, so it, it added complications. And I think we did stick the landing. We, we managed to leave the lead character in a place that was interesting and that mm-hmm. maybe we could come back to. And I did resolve some characters threads. I killed some, <laughs> you, know, you just, <laughs> you just uh, resolved literally. Um, right. <laughs> and then also, but I think also it's okay if you don't answer every question, just as long as the mm. reader or the viewer or the listener understands that it was an intentional choice. Like there were some threads I didn't tie up because mm-hmm. there just wasn't room or there wasn't really a natural way to do it. So I think it's as, as long as the story itself is entertaining and it leads you to, it's got to feel natural. And I think if it feels shoehorned or like scotch taped on, or this was not <laughs> what they had planned. Um, and I think that was the big gripe with Lost is that there was so much hype about, Oh, they've got this long, you know, they're setting up all these mysteries and it, you know, they're going to resolve them. And it just, when it landed, and this is just my opinion, I'm not a, a huge Lost person. So you know, right, I, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it for what it was. Like I wasn't like obsessed, obsessive with the show, but mm-hmm. when you watch the ending, you're like, Oh, this was not, they didn't know this was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, and I think the challenge there is to just make it feel organic, make, make it, see, make it clear that 
the seeds you planted, even if you didn't know exactly where they they, they were going to go, you at least right. had a thought of where they should go. Like you can connect the dots in a clear way. Um, and what helps is having your ending in mind. Um, right. Right. I always try to think, especially with novels, I always try to think what's the ending. And even if it's not a super definite, like detailed scene, I at least have the broad strokes. Like at the end of the first Pete book, I knew, I knew he was going to start inching towards being a private eye. Like I knew that was mm -hmm. where he was going to go. So I could kind of work all the other plot threads to head in that direction. Um, and then at the end of that, I knew in the second book he would, but you know, he would start getting sober. So, you know, like there's like, you have to have the broad endings or at least a rough roadmap of where you're going because right. readers notice that they can tell like, Oh, this is, they're totally writing this as it happens. Like there's no sense <laughs> of continuity. And I don't know. I mean, that can still be successful. Like I know yeah. a lot of writers, especially novelists who don't outline them. They just say, you know, page one, I'm just writing blind and I'm kind of, you know, if I get into a corner, I'm going to back out and rewrite. And that's, that's, you know, it doesn't really work for me. I think there's like a silent majority of writers that do a little bit of both. Like you outline mm -hmm. a little, write, outline some more, write, you know, and just kind of, um build structure and then fill it up with your ideas but um it's hard it's endings are endings are super hard like yeah, there's no yeah. no one will say <laughs> otherwise like it's hard to do an ending that people say that was that was um fulfilling exactly exactly i mean uh, and honestly thinking about this and and maybe this is this is um this is maybe me I, I, so i'm an anime head too so this is maybe me recently um, cool. <laughs> watching some anime stuff. Um, mm -hmm. but you, I, 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 there's two good examples of of the thing you you mentioned when you talk about you know sometimes it's sometimes you you could be successful with kind of writing as you go, um, and and then there's the other side where you know you know the ending or the broad strokes at least of the story right. and then eventually the ending before you even start. Um, and, and two good examples of that I'm going to mention um, Naruto. I don't know if you ever watched, but um, no, Naruto is a highly successful anime. Like extreme, like like. People, some people rate it as like the best. I don't know if it's the best, but it's very, it's it, it is definitely very, very highly uh, rated, right? Um, right. But it, but it's been time and time again. You can tell, and then it's even been stated by uh, the, the writers themselves that some of that stuff they made up as they went. Like it was like they, they right. paused, and you know they they're like, okay, well let's figure it out. They put some filler episodes in so they could write some more, and, and they they were kind of writing the story as they went versus having the entire thing planned out. Um, yeah, and a part of that is probably the the corporate side, or not the corporate, but the the success side. Like I think they started, they, they were going to end the story somewhere, but it was it so blew up, uh, such a big blowout success that they had to continue, so they had to write more to it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, there's truth to it. I mean, you never know what your work is going to be. Like right. I didn't know when I wrote the first Pete novel, I thought that it was going to be one and done. Like I didn't know it was going to be a series. <laughs> And then they picked it up for two more and I said, okay, I'll, I'll plan out two more. And then I got a, a contract for two more after that. So mm -hmm. I think it was when I was starting the fourth book that I said, okay, after this, these next two books, that'll be that. So you give yourself a little runway to end. It doesn't mean that you have to know the entire arc of your IP, right. like from page one. Right. Yeah. And then, and then on the other, on the other side of that, of that anime scale, there's, um, uh, so I was recently catching up on Attack on Titan, um, mm -hmm. which is also very, very excellent. And I found out yeah. in a little bit of side uh, research or whatever that the creator, um, before he got started, uh, Hajime Isayama, before he got started mm -hmm. on the manga that became the show later, um, he took six months. He just took six months and um, he planned the entire story from the beginning to the end. Um, 
and I was writing it, and it's a huge. It's been the only manga I believe that overtook One Piece for like a wow. year. Um, yeah. like One Piece has like never been overtaken since. It's, yeah, you know, since it's hit the top spot. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's it only took it for one year, then it went back to One Piece, but that's still incredible, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, but he wrote so he has everything planned out for the series from the beginning and the way that it builds. I mean, I think that's what makes a lot of anime so good um depending on how it's written sometimes some more as you go but some of them are built from the beginning but you can yeah. tell that there's levels of this thing building out as it progresses towards the end and it's like wow uh, and there's no way you could, there's no way that it could have been um like just written as you as he went like this was clearly from the beginning oh wow this stuff was set up to do this because you can call back to things that happened very early in the series you know um yeah i mean stuff like that just blows me away and it's just it's it's such a great comfort to know as a creator that you've got a runway to be creative you know that you're not like hampered you're not you're not like at the whims of oh do i have a season do i have one book do i have three comics like i think Mm -hmm. a lot of talented people are just kind of sprinting to get to the good stuff because you never know you don't know like what the (laughs) lifetime is of this stuff but um like you think of something like uncanny x-men when chris claremont was writing it he could drop a clue in issue like 120 something and then resolve (laughs) it in issue 230 something like and by in that in the interim he's dropped a bunch of other clues but he knew he was going to be on that book he was it was the number one book comics was a much you know longer running game like you were on books for a long time and he was you know he was the master at that and um i think that's i think it's much harder to have that kind of comfort level unless it's a creator own thing and you've gotten some success and you can you know, like Savage Dragon has been going on forever. So I, I think Eric Larson <laughs> can do that. But, you know, it's, it's a rarity, whereas before it was maybe more more common. Right, exactly, exactly. So so to you, which feels more comfortable? Is it, you feel more comfortable uh, kind of like, oh, I'll write this book and then I'll, I'll see, you know, where it goes for second and third or, uh, or arc if it's a comic book, you know, or do you like to kind of like lay it all out early and then tackle it, you know? Um, I think the further you go out, the you know, the looser the details can be. Like I'm a type plotter for the first arc and then mm-hmm. I have a rough idea for the second one. And then, you know, even looser idea for the third or the fourth. And um, and then it beca- as you get closer, you start to kind of tighten it up. Um, right, like with right. the black with the black ghosts, um, Monica and I had had the initial arc mapped out and then we'd had we had rough ideas for like what the next two arcs would be if we got that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then as you dive into it, then you start kind of taking apart those loose ideas and tightening them up and adding more. And, um, and also the journey through the first arc changes things. So you're not always at the same spot you thought you would be, you know, your characters start doing different things. The story mm-hmm. starts evolving. So, um, yeah, I like to give myself a rough idea of where it might go, but I'm not in of the same mentality where it's like ultra, ultra detailed, like for 75 right. issues. Like I just... I think that's great. I'm always impressed when I read comics like that that are like so clearly tightly mapped out. But I think you can also, I don't want to say fake it, but you can also keep that thread going just by having a rough idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that's the big thing is having at least an idea. I think having having at least an inkling of where you're going, uh, like a, a direction, um, then then you can you can kind of. Uh, like you said, kind of like fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like know know what the rough the big beats are, and know like mm-hmm. it's it's all about character. Like I think a lot of times people talk about plot and the twist and the ending and the moments, but it, it all has to come from character. Like yeah. the best stories feel like they naturally sprung out of these characters, and if you're invested in these people, 
you will follow them through the weirdest stuff. Whereas if it's just plot, 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 and the characters feel kind of cookie cutter, mm-hmm. that's what turns me off as a reader. And so you, t- you kind of write to yourself. Like I always, I'm writing for myself. Like what are the books I want to read? What are the books that entertain me that don't exist? You know, like um, the mystery novel, my mystery novels I wrote because I didn't think they existed. I didn't see any right. Cuban American private investigators in Miami doing the things that I wanted to read. Um, mm-hmm. And the same for like the black ghost or, or the dusk, like these are stories that I wanted to exist. And the, the benefit is that I can write them, you know, like <laughs> you're the vehicle of like actualizing your ideas. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, char- like that, I mean, that's, that's really a good segue into and talking about character a little bit. Uh, char- <clears throat> yeah. We, a lot of people are like, well, what's the plot? What's going on? Which is what's your story about? And um, a lot of the time we'll talk about the big plot stuff or, or whatever with the big, antagonist is or the big conflict is um but at the end of the day i think i think like you said character drives the plot anyway so right um i feel like i mean in my own writing i feel like there's some points where uh like say i planned out something for several issues or arcs or whatever like that i feel like at Mm -hmm. some points i come to an impasse where i'm just like i'm I'm getting i I get to know my characters more as i write i don't know if it it works like that for you yeah yeah but it's like like a little relationship it's like i'm kind of learning this character more and i get to a certain point sometimes when it's you know like something written like you know four arcs off and i and and i'm getting closer to it i'm just like man i really don't think this character would do that though or or what would they actually do in this situation is that really them you know um and then you may end up going may have you know or not even i wouldn't even say you make or you have the character make a particular decision um it's kind of like the character themselves are like nope that's i'm not doing that that's not me <laughs> yeah uh, no i think the best it, i think outlining and character go hand in hand and you can you can outline and outline and outline but if your characters are developed you you let them do what they do you know i i outline mm-hmm. but i outline loosely enough so there's wiggle room like if my characters decide to pivot left you know, yep. they can still stay within that big framework, like the, the big arc still exists, but now we're following them. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you're, you're on a good tear if your writing is basically, you're just chronicling what these guys are, people are doing in your heads as opposed to, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of overthinking it. You want, you want your characters to be so developed that they can do their own thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, actually, I, it makes you think about, uh, uh poe uh in the in the, in the free fall book mm-hmm. um so what, what was it like because you know poe uh, of course he's 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 an established star wars character we 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 we've seen him for three movies uh we've uh we've seen him in uh charles soul book but in those uh oh and, and in um also in um resistance but um yeah. but he's but he's he's older like in those books and what i mean by older is is uh your your book is he's he's what 16 i think yeah he's a teenager yeah so how um I guess I guess my question is how how did you kind of gather what sixteen year old Poe would be like? Uh, <laughs> you know what were your what were your references? What were your you know what what things helped you kind of kind of guide that experience? Yeah, I guess it's like two two threads. There's the initial like just basic research, like literally what were the details of his life at the time, like being on Yavin Four, like what was his family situation? His mother had died, and he was living with his dad, and and that those are like the facts. And so you take the facts, you do, I did a lot of research. I read um, all the posts if I could reread a lot of it, like Charles Soule's run, Greg Rucka's stuff. You know, um, he wrote a lot of comics that dealt with Poe's parents. And he also wrote some prose with Poe. 
And then I read, obviously rewatched the movies, which was mm-hmm. great to even write that off as research. Um, <laughs> exactly. And, um, and read a lot of Star Wars novels just to get the, you know, the, the cool thing about the Star Wars pro stuff is that it's so diverse, not just in the authors, but in the tones and the voices. So oh, yeah. I went in feeling a little intimidated, like, how am I going to play in this space? Like, I don't really write the way I thought the books were, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd read a bunch as a teenager and as a fan growing up, but um, I was so happy to see that it was such a diverse place that everyone's voice was clear and I could just be myself and really just write the crime novel in space that I had envisioned. Um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of that, that laid the foundation, like where is he literally? And uh, what are the, what, what do we want this novel to be? And then, then you start thinking, what are the emotional beats here and, and what gets him off Yavin for mm-hmm. and what gets him into the, this group of spice runners and what's his arc. And you start thinking about his arc and then you kind of weave in the conflict and you, that's when the other, that's when the spaces for new characters show up. Like you need a villain. You're going to need, you know, I wanted definitely for Zori, Zori, uh, Zori Bliss to be a big part of it. And I wanted to add a lot of mystery to her and who she was and who, who the spice runners of Kajimi were. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, you follow the character. Like I knew what Poe was as an adult. And then I had to think to myself, well, you know, how did he become this, this kind of more defined character? And whenever you're writing YA, it's, it's a journey of discovery. So we're, we're writing along with Poe to discover who he is. Like he's mm-hmm. going to discover his, his kind of cause and his goal, but also like discovering who he is as a person and how he, you know, when we're teenagers, we're like extreme versions of ourselves emotionally. And, you know, we don't have the same filter as we haven't had the same life experience. So everything is a big feeling, you know? Right, right. Um, so everything is really focused and sharp. And so things that maybe adult Poe wouldn't do mm-hmm. or the choices that he wouldn't make because of his experience, he didn't have that experience when I was writing him. So maybe he made dumb decisions and made dumb choices. And that's, those were the things that defined him. So it was really like setting up the dominoes. So if you read Freefall and then watch the movies or read the comics, it all yeah. connects. And there's like a lot of like literal connective tissue between um, Freefall and Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I and I noticed that. I know. I don't know if you if you know or heard. Uh, online there was a lot of. Uh, well, some. Well, just some. There was some. Um, uh, I don't know if you uh, call it pushback or dismay or whatnot with mm-hmm. with uh, it being revealed in nine that Poe had run with Zori, who you know these spice runners, and it was kind of this idea like, oh, you're we're making another brown person be like, you know, live in that kind of lifestyle. Like, why are we like, kind of like some eye rolls and stuff like that. Like, why are mm-hmm. we doing this, this storyline again? But then when I read free fall, I was like, I think, I, I mean, I feel like you handled it very, very well. Like, especially how we, how we got into the situation to begin with um, a, a little bit of, a little bit of ignorance, a little bit of naivete, a little bit of, I need to get out there and adventure, you know? Right. Um, I, I just thought it was, yeah, I mean, no well. decision. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. No decision is made in a vacuum. Like we all are affected by whatever stress and things are happening in our lives. And when Poe jumps from Yavin four, uh, and joins up with the spice runners, it's not a literal, like I'm a bad guy now. It's right. he's conflicted. He's, he wants to get off the planet. He sees an opportunity. He's intrigued. He's already, he's kind of lived his Yavin four life. He wants off he wants off the moon he wants to do something else mm-hmm. and so a lot of those pressures affected the decision and he you know i don't want to spoil the book but yeah. when you read <laughs> you realize that he didn't know the score until long after he was in space with these people so oh, yeah <laughs> it wasn't like he had all the information at the ready mm-hmm. exactly exactly and again he was 16 
I mean, right. yeah. I mean, who hasn't made a bad decision at that age? I did. <laughs> it's kind of like he's like, oh, well, these guys are gonna let me fly a ship, and I can get off off world. I'm all right, deuces. Yeah, <laughs> like, see you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, exactly. I, I really liked how how well it was done. I I, I really like Zori, and what I liked the most about Zori was Zori had a whole lot of um, inner conflict with her her status, her trying to. Uh, prove. I, I, I think she was trying to prove herself to her to her mom, um, uh-huh. you know. And, and I really like that dynamic. And I, I'm kind of interested. Like, how do you how do you kind of break down a character? Like, you know, there's there's the uh, I, I I'm bad with terms, but there's the outside conflict. You know, the, the conflict that the like the actual the physical conflict, right? Right. Like, okay, mm-hmm. there's people shooting at me in this scene. Yeah, yeah. The external conflict. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then there's the internal conflict. So I thought it was handled really well with with Zori. So. I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you kind of uh, build out Zori's uh, inner conflict, her 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 personal story? Yeah, I think it's as much a Zori book as it is a Poe book. Like, obviously, yeah. Poe is a star. It's his name on the cover. Um, but we see Zori for, what, 10 minutes on screen um, in the movie? So, and, yeah. But she's got this Boba Fett-like effect. She's just so cool looking. <laughs> everyone everything yeah everyone remembers those moments that she's on there but you know what got her to that point and how can she be like a counterbalance to what poe's story is and poe is poe's like every emotion is on his sleeve you can read his face immediately like he is you know he's not hiding what he's feeling and zori is the opposite like she's living this life in secret without giving too much away like She's a member of the Spice Runners, but she's also like kind of like criminal loyalty. And um, mm-hmm. she's living this dual life where she feels this pressure to assume the mantle of head of the Spice Runners, like to be respectful of her mom and that legacy. But she also wants to be a teenager. She wants to like hang <laughs> out and hang out with her friend, this kid who she they just, you know, kind of tricked into joining their team. And <laughs> there's a push and pull there. Like she, she, she's over overburdened by responsibility at a really young age. Whereas Poe, you know, is saddled by tragedy. You know, he's got the tragic loss of his mom feeling mm-hmm. constricted, but also has this rebellious and like freewheeling spirit. Like he's not, he's pretty lighthearted. You know, he's, he's not like happy go lucky, but he's also, fearless and risk not risk averse like he'll take a risk and he'll you know and she's she's much more she's much older you know she's lived much more of a life in terms of responsibility and things like that so i wanted to show the contrast i wanted to show you know the weight of expectation like the the weight that zori felt from her mother was very different from the pressure that poe felt from his his dad Mm -hmm. but it was still there and so that's kind of where they come together and they they have they form a bond um, and I wanted to show that sometimes those things can be messy. You know, it's not like just a linear, linear thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you had, you had some, you had some very uh, good Poe-esque moments where we kind of learn, like, it's almost like we get to see him start to develop these crazy, like, like what we see him do in eight, for example, at the beginning of eight, uh, mm-hmm. we, we kind of start to see how he's developing these very Poe-esque moments when he's, uh, uh, there's, there's moments in the book where he's, uh, like they're like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta get out of the situation. And Poe's like, no, I got a plan. And they're like, what's your plan? Because we're <laughs> like, this is not the time to have crazy plans. And then he does this crazy thing and he pulls it off. And then like, I really liked when yeah. the big guy, I can't remember his name, but the, but the big guy um, that they were rolling away at the beginning and uh, mm-hmm. near the beginning. And, and the first time he gets kind of shocked and the Poe gets him out of the situation. He like claps him on the oh, shoulder. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I want you want that's the challenge of writing a prequel. You want the characters to be recognizable, but also kind of additive. Like you're learning more. You're kind of learning these little clues that will show you how he becomes the Poe we know. So right. he's got to be recognizable, but also different. Like he's got to feel like he's a younger, more headstrong, more emotional version of the Poe we know. And then as we right. read the book, we see we kind of see the path being cleared and we see, okay, he's going to go this way. And that's how he becomes the Poe we know from the movies and, and other books. Yeah. Yeah. Like all, all of a sudden Poe versus Star Destroyer by himself in an X-Wing doesn't seem like such a big deal anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it feels like old hat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's kind of like, Oh, he, so he's done this before. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, but no, no, no. Again, I, I think you handle the, the inner and outer conflict very well. I, what I really enjoyed about the book, the most I think was just there's there's there was there wasn't very many low moments. There was it was constant uh action. I love that. Uh I mean okay. there were like moments where like Zorian and Poe was talking and you know, staring levelly into each other's eyes. And then like the next thing you know, they're like, All right, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, know? I wanted I wanted it to feel like a movie. Like I wanted it to feel like every scene was important and there were like they're gonna have little moments of character development, but it was kind of like you're still jogging, you know, you're having conversation mm. while you're jogging and then you have to sprint. So even those quiet moments, which are important, you don't, you don't want to be kind of going to the extreme throughout because people get tired of that. You can't read everything going maximum, but um, I wanted mm. it to feel like even the, those quiet moments were propelling the plot and you were still right. getting character and you were still, still enjoying and learning about these people. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So I'm, we're gonna get ready to wrap it up pretty shortly mm-hmm. here. I did have one more question about characters since we were talking. Talk, yeah. I love I love talking about characters. I, I really think that those are the things. Like, honestly, I think you could put uh, you could make any plot of anything crazy going on. And um, I honestly, I, I I'm I'm gonna maybe try to uh, prove this theory one day. But I feel like you could really put uh, make up any plot, no matter how crazy or insane it sounds, and, and put. Uh, compelling characters in it and it will be good like (laughs) i I honestly think that uh if you can make if the characters drive it and they they make you can connect to them um you can understand them um or they're teaching you something or you see them going somewhere and developing and stuff i think that i think that the story can be good regardless of what's going on in the world around them Um, it's also people people will forgive a lot if the characters are interesting you know like true you could do a bad episode of the sopranos but people love those characters so much (laughs) like they're so invested in these characters like yeah and i don't mean bad like oh this is terrible you just mean like this is a filler episode like nothing happens like you know you're just kind of treading water between big things Mm -hmm. but if the characters are interesting and their dialogue is compelling and they just feel like they have voice Mm-hmm. Uh, then you you get you get a little wiggle room in terms of plot right right exactly exactly so last thing i want to ask about character in general is uh mm-hmm. so you you know we got poe we know who he is uh we got to see him when he was younger kind of building up into current poe um we've got uh we got zori um and we get to learn who she is almost completely because we we didn't really know much about her in, in episode nine again they were in the middle of a I mean, Star Wars, so I guess they're always in the middle of a war, but <laughs> they were getting ready to go into a battle or whatever. Um, so I, I guess I guess my thing is, uh, how how do you, uh, what, what are some methods or some ways or, 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 or how do you put yourself in a headspace for writing one character versus another character? What I mean by that is that, yes, they're all in the same book, but um, um, sometimes you have to get into the headspace of like Zori. And, and and think of what she's thinking about Poe at any given moment or about her mom or her situation. And then you got to do the same thing with Poe. 
um, mm-hmm. how he thinks, you know, how he feels about Zori, how he feels about his dad or his life or, 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 or you know, wanting to have that adventure or whatever. So how, how do you kind of, uh, what do you do or, or what are some methods to get in the right headspace to have the Poe moment going, oh, I don't know what she's thinking. Uh, I know she's hiding something, you know, blah, blah, versus Zori, you know, thinking the way she thinks about Poe or any character, really. I think, you know, like like we were talking about a little bit earlier, you have to really understand the voice of these characters and you have to hear it in your head. Like, it sounds crazy, but you literally have to hear these characters talking in your head and you have to kind of let them do their thing. And sometimes you write pages and pages and pages and you throw it out because it yeah. doesn't work. But that experience of, excuse me, of writing those those things helped you refine the voice of these characters and it helped you kind of nail down what they're thinking or what they're like. Um and it's okay to take breaks. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I didn't write, you know, I don't didn't hop from character to character a lot of times without a break in between. So maybe like one day you're focusing on the post stuff and you take a minute and come back and it's Zori and you kind of clear your head between them yeah. kind of like, you know, so you can recharge and, and look at it from a different way. But a lot of it is just knowing these characters and feeling like you live, you know them. And, yeah. um, um, you know, we see Zori for such a short amount of time that I got to really have, a lot of say obviously in conjunction with Lucasfilm and, and, um, and Disney books, but I got to have a lot of space to define what she's like uh, Mm -hmm. in this universe, which is a huge honor and responsibility. Yeah. But you know, you take what you, what's defined as a starting point and then you refine it a little bit in your head. And then once, once you feel comfortable with this character and they exist for you, it's a lot, a lot of it is visualizing it for me. Um, like, you know, I just kind of see it as a movie in my head and, and, and jot it down. Like, how would they talk? Like, what mannerisms would they have? And then you're, you're basically just reporting. And that's, that's when you know the characters are really clicking, when they start just acting out and you're just, um, you're just like a humble reporter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, no, I didn't, I, I, you know, I didn't know much about Zuri, but I feel like after reading the book, I feel like I, I know a whole lot more about it. And I, now, now I wish we could see more of Zuri, you know, in, in, on, on TV. Yeah, I'd stuff. love to write like a, just a, you know, without spoiling the ending, I'd love to write more about what Zuri was doing after that book. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and, and another thing I, I really like in writing is I, I love when, when um, there, there could be, not even, I won't even say protagonist and antagonist, there could be people on opposing sides um, mm-hmm. and the perspective will shift but you feel for them even when it shifts. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think, you know, people fall into this trap of like, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? And, right. you know, the best villains don't think they're villains. Like, you know, everyone, <laughs> exactly. brings up, everyone brings up Magneto and I guess he's a good example, but he doesn't think what he's doing is wrong. You exactly. know, Darth Vader does not think what he's doing is wrong. They are, you know, and whether it is or not is, is obviously clear like he's a bad guy like they're doing (laughs) terrible things but in their own mind this is their quest and this is how they're going to get there so you know whenever you have like a cookie cutter villain that's just like i'm doing bad things because they're bad Mm -hmm. that doesn't resonate with with readers or with viewers or whatever it's just um Mm -hmm. people want to relate to the good guys and the bad guys yeah yeah and 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 for for a split second in the book uh zori's mom uh, you, you get you get some moments like that. I mean, it's it's very clear that she's kind of like not a good person, but <laughs> yeah. But you get some moments with her uh, that kind of make you think. Like for a split second, you're like, huh, maybe 
maybe she's got something going on here. I mean, and then what happened? I mean, without spoiling, of course, what happens yeah. happens. You know, things happen. You're kind of like, oh well. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but, she's definitely got her vision of what she wants things to be. And when you listen to her in the book, you listen to what she wants. You're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But then it's you know it's. <laughs> how you do things is almost important as what you do. (laughs) Exactly. It's kind of like, Oh, maybe the, maybe the ends are not too bad, but it's like, do I got to kill a bunch of people to do this? Huh? I know. Do I? (laughs) Yeah. It's not a, not a good strategy. (laughs) But all right. Uh, I mean, we talked about a lot here. I mean, we talked about co-writing and and characters, uh, uh, talked about plotting. Uh, like honestly, I love, I, I mean, I love the conversation of not, again, not protagonists, antagonists, but perspectives of characters. Um, that that's such a i mean honestly we should have like a i should do a whole episode just on that uh sometime yeah there's a uh, lot of ground to cover there yeah yeah it's it's really and it's so important i mean it's, that's what makes things like game of thrones so good it's like you know um I mean, that's not the only thing that does it of course but you know you jump around you, you, game of, in the books at least i mean they do in the show as well but in the books they they literally jump around from perspectives like there'd be a, the chapters are called the characters names people um, want complicated characters and they right. don't necessarily want you know like uh white knight good guys and very evil bad guys they want complicated characters that make complicated decisions and you know i I think one thing that i try to think about a lot is like trust your reader have faith that your readers are smart that they can understand gray areas that you don't have to explain every little point to them you know if you do it by design then it makes sense but if you forget something because you're not paying attention yourself then that's a mistake yeah (laughs) but if you're purposely withholding information so they can figure it out like I think readers appreciate that they don't want to be uh they don't want to be spoon-fed everything mm-hmm. oh i i love connecting things like that I, a, anime does it a lot i don't know if it's a style yeah. of the of the, the style of writing or the culture or whatnot but in anime i always i always get that feeling where they don't tell you stuff but it's like you start to put it together in your head and usually by the end of the anime whatever it is whether it's a movie or a show you're like, mm-hmm. especially on a second watch, you go back, you're like, wow. <laughs> you're like, they really, like, this theme is really strong here. And they really set Yeah, or even like understand. shows like The Wire, shows like The Wire or, oh, or The yeah, Americans. The like, you know, you have to listen to them talking to each other and pick up on things because there's no narrator saying, and then this showed up, you know, and this <laughs> happened. And some shows do that. And it's just like, I want to think about it. I want fiction that's going to challenge me and make me think most of the time. You know, I'll watch a reality show just if your brain's fried, but um, <laughs> a lot of times you want you want to engage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's hard for me to watch. I can't really watch reality TV like that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, but, but, but in contrast to that, anything that I watch, it's hard for me to just like watch TV. Like when I'm watching TV, I'm like, my brain's working. I'm like breaking down like, wow, these characters yeah, are this, you know, breaking down the plot, you know, what, uh, wow this theme's really strong or you know and i'm just amazed about how like you know whether it's a team or uh or, or just a few people working on it on, on something I, like everything i'm just like wowed about like wow this is so good like this is, yeah. even some things that may seem new yorker to some people i'm like no this was good <laughs> right 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 but uh but no okay yeah we, we yeah we talked about a lot uh we go ahead and uh wrap it up is there is there any um other like any writing advice or any 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 any, any uh, words that you would want to say for uh, readers that are out there, aspi- or writers out there, aspiring writers, or, or what have you? Yeah, two things. Uh, one thing is like I touched on it earlier. It's treat it like a craft, treat it like a job, treat it mm-hmm. professionally, and uh, it, you know, act professionally, and you know, 
uh, it will be, it will, the career will respond to you in the way that you treat it. You know, like if you right. work at it, like you would your job and, and I get it, not everyone has time, you know, like I don't believe in writing a thousand words a day. I think not everyone can do that. We have jobs, we have kids, families, mm-hmm. responsibilities, but only, you know, if you're phoning it in, only, you know, if you're putting in the time to do the, you know, get the most out of the opportunity. So mm-hmm. do the work, do the work and, um, be part of the community, you know, help others, uh, engage with other people in your space, you know, reach out to people. Like I try to help people because people help me on the journey and people still help me on my journey. So, um, I know there's a lot of, sometimes there's writers that just kind of do their thing and don't really engage with other writers or other artists. And it's, it's fine, but I, I've always benefited from being part of a network and, talking to people, sharing ideas, you know, yeah. and I don't mean it just as a writer's group, like literally getting notes. I just mean like, Oh, you have a book out. I'll, I'll promote your book. I'll help you. Yeah. I'll do, let's do an event together. Like, you know, it's, we're all kind of in this thing together. So let's, let's <laughs> make it a, a joint effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you really feel it when you go to a con too, you're like tabling yeah. and there's a, you know, you're, you're there from 8am to God knows when and, then, <laughs> and there's yeah. other creators who are just as tired as you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but okay. All right. Uh, can, can you let people know where they can find you on uh, social media? Let them know, of course, also about uh, the Kickstarter that's going on. Yeah. We're kickstarting this uh, original graphic novel called the dusk. Uh, it's co-written by me and Elizabeth little, who's a crime novelist as well. And it's drawn by David Hahn, who's done a bunch of stuff like Batman 66 meets wonder woman, 77 bike club, impossible Jones uh, colors by Ellie Wright letters by Taylor Esposito and edited by Joe Illich, your friend and mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're about halfway there a weekend. So fingers crossed that we get funded, but um, it's basically like I was telling you, you write the stories you want to hear, you want to read. Um, I've been reading a lot of comics with my five-year-old and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of superhero stuff like Batman, Spider-Man, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to write a story that he could read that wasn't just about good guy punching bad guy and throwing the guys in prison and, and moving on like problem solved. Like I wanted to kind of, <laughs> embrace all the fun stuff about superheroes like the costumes and the legacy and the you know the colorful mythos but also weave it into the world we all live in today without getting too dark and too violent so yeah that's awesome i think it's a tall order it's i think it's really where one of our touchstones is batman the animated series like that timeless feeling but also modern sensibility um without being super violent because obviously if you want your kids to read it and you know you can only have so much but you also, we also want it to be something that adults and parents and fans can enjoy on their own. So it's, it's a lot of layering, a lot of asking important questions without making it feel like homework, you know, that sort of thing. Right. But, um, you know, people have responded really well to the Kickstarter. So we're excited to see where it goes. And, um, you can find me on my website, alexsegura.com on Twitter at Alex underscore Segura. And I have a Facebook author page and an Instagram as well. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, also, of course, you guys can find me at uh, fourthwall.net. That's I-V-W-A-L-L. Uh, you can find the podcast Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing, again, with I-V-W-A-L-L um, on pretty much every major podcasting uh, uh, network, including uh, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, etc. cetera. Um, and yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on, Alex. And um, we'll catch you guys next time. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,